Welcome back to another episode of BC Buckets Podcast. I am Bobby Patterson, and as always, joined here by head men's basketball coach at Briarcliff, uh, Coach Figuera. Coach, how are we doing here this week? No, doing good, Bobby. How was your Thanksgiving? Good, good. Uh, wife's family's uh, from Northwest Iowa, so made a made a couple trips to Sioux County. So uh, I kind of got my uh, my fix for the year. But uh, yeah, no, it was good. How about yourself? Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Had uh, gave the guys Wednesday off, and then uh, practice Thursday. Had the team over for dinner Thursday night, and uh, you know, obviously played that exhibition game on Friday, and and then gave the guys a weekend off. So. I guess before we get into anything, I think it just needs to be said by me to you that that's seven times in a row I was beating Nebraska in football. Yeah, um, I knew that your text was going to come at some point there um, this weekend. I had the privilege of actually going down to Lincoln to see it in person. Um, for 45 of the 60 minutes, I was on cloud nine, but then, yeah, the train came off the tracks. So. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, right, right as soon as they blocked the punt, the air just went right out of the stadium in Lincoln, and you could just kind of tell. But no, I mean, I was, I was got another solid team this year. I know they're playing Michigan Saturday, so that's gonna be fun to watch. So, uh, well, yeah, hey, we'll dive right into it. Uh, had a good Thanksgiving, uh, which is great, especially on your end. I saw some photos on Twitter. Looks like uh, when the boys came over on Thursday, you made a, a pretty solid lineup for them, so that looked good. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we'll talk about last week, but I uh, got a big one here this week to talk about. So just jumping back to last Wednesday um, at home uh, against a really solid um, and physical Dort uh, team. Um, unfortunately, came out on the losing end by one, uh, 74 to 73. Uh, I guess just speaking about us here first for a second, Kyle Borhave, really nice game. And then uh, another nice game from a guy who we're going to have join us here and talk to in a little bit, uh, Quinn Vesey. Uh, some really solid performances, but uh, kind of at the end of the day, just struggled to maybe get that one stop or maybe that one uh, defensive rebound that uh, we really needed. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a really good game. If if you're a basketball fan and you're not, you know, directly involved and, you know, end up losing by one point, I felt like, you know, there's a couple different times in the game I really felt like we shot ourselves in the foot. Um and actually kind of hurt some of our own momentum. You know, I think back to about halfway through the second half, VC hits a, a transition three to put us up five when we, we had been down five, not that much earlier. And, you know, the next possession we give up a three because we had a just missed rotation defensively. And then we went five straight possessions without scoring. And the next thing you know, we're down, we're down six an 11-point swing just like that. And, you know, those are those are the things we have to eliminate. You know, that 11-0 that run, you know, in this league, teams are too good to not go on runs, but that needs to be an 8-4 to four run. And, and our lead's cut to one. It's not a six-point deficit. And, you know, there's a lot of things. I think anytime you lose a close game, you know, one possession game where, I mean, we had two chances. We missed two shots in the last possession down one. I think everything in the last minute or two minutes really gets magnified. But I thought, you know, that middle second half and then also middle of the first half, um, they went on a big run as well. And so we, we played from behind the back half of that first half. And so, 
you know, that that's ultimately what hurt us. And yeah, we're going to, we can talk about, Oh, we, you know, they made this play or we missed this shot. Well, yeah, that's what you remember because it happened. And it was when the game was on the line. But when you look at the big picture of a full 40 minutes, um, there was a lot more to it than that. And, and so that's just, that's something we need to get a little bit better at. I think that comes with consistency and, you know, keeping your foot on the gas pedal, whether you have a lead, whether you're down a couple buckets, because it was never, you know, neither team ever had a huge lead. Um, I think the whole game was played within eight points one way or the other. And, and so you can't get too high. You can't get too low in those situations. And, you know, you keep your foot on the gas pedal. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you hope you, you're ready to make the play. We didn't that particular game. And, you know, it's frustrating. But, you know, when, again, I, I've said it a hundred times, I'll probably say it a million more. You know, in the GPAC, there's not a single team in our league this year that can't beat every other team in the league. And that's, you know, that's not to say everybody's going to beat everybody. It doesn't work that way. But that's what I think about our league this year. I think from top to bottom, one through 11, it's as, as deep as it's been from a talent and just good team standpoint that I can ever remember. And so, you know, those close games, that's where you separate yourself, you know, whether it's the top couple teams or the top half. You separate yourself winning those tough games, and you know one loss doesn't define that for us. And you know we're going to play a lot of those, and we're going to find ways to win them. And you know in the long run, that that makes us better. You know it's 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 always more fun to to learn from a close win than a close loss. But I do think sometimes it maybe magnifies things a little bit more that we need to really address and and focus on as we move forward. So. If that's the positive that comes out of it, then then we'll roll with that. Um, but, uh, you know, going after that, you know, kind of a weird week with the holiday and all that. So our, our routine, just a weekly routine was really thrown off. But starting again this week, we're kind of back, back at it normally, which is nice for here for the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And I do want to touch on a, a point that you brought up quick. I mean, you you talk about the depth um, of our conference in the GPAC. And, I would say for the most part, the last, ever since I can remember these last six, seven, eight years, both on the men's and women's side, obviously they've been known um, across the nation as some tough teams. But I mean, yeah, this year, just having the chance to take a step back from the coaching side and have more time to watch a lot more games than maybe I'm used to. I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, one through 11, the depth in the conference this year, and it doesn't seem like you're going to have those close games with the one and two seed or the one and three seed. I mean, now it's like, hey, we have an an eight or 10 seed that can go on to the two seed house and, and really give them a run for their money and beat them. So, I mean, just as a basketball fan, I couldn't agree more with you that obviously last Wednesday was a really fun game to watch. Obviously would have been nice to, to come out on top of that, but I mean, the back and forth, I mean, the game played between eight points, it seemed like it, it, Dork got up six or Briarcliff got up five. I mean, no lead was safe, so to speak. I mean, a team answered the call and answered the punch back and forth. And um, the analogy I've heard so many times in coaching is like, hey, you're not going to you're not going to come out there right from the tip and win the knockout punch. I mean, it's going to take a couple jabs of the body and some body blows to wear a team down. And it just seemed like especially Wednesday night in the Flanagan, it was just two teams that were just competitive, hard nosed teams, both really well coached, just giving each other body blows, just going back and forth. Yeah, and that's what it is. I I mean, 
I'm not saying I came up with that, Bobby, but you probably heard that from me more than once um, in your time in the program because that's, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. And, you know, I first heard that line from, from Lance Creech. Very rarely is a heavyweight title fight won in the first round by a knockout. It's, it's won in the 11th or 12th round, and it's a culmination of consistently doing what you do. And that's, that's what it is in the G-Pack because there's a lot of big-time heavyweights in the, in the G-Pack. For sure. And, and I know uh, talking about kind of the weird week, and we touched on it last week, but uh, going down to Missouri, having a chance to do an exhibition game against uh, a really, really good Northwest Missouri State team. And, and I'll be honest, undermine the fact a little bit of uh, how big of a powerhouse they've been. And you touched on it last week, and I had the chance to watch the first half. And, yeah, holy smokes, Northwest Missouri State is a really, really good team. Um, obviously, powerhouse honestly doesn't do them justice. Very well coached. Um, I mean, granted, exhibition for us came out uh, and lost that one, but uh, saw some really nice things uh, to build on. So I, I guess, Coach, in games like that, number one, what did you kind of notice from the trip down to Missouri? And what is what are games like that, specifically exhibitions, that you're looking to keep building on, especially hitting uh, conference play hard here right away? Well, I think – part of what makes being a college basketball player great is you get all kinds of different experiences, you know, going to Indiana a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was the first time a lot of guys on the team had ever been to Indiana and, you know, just doing different things, seeing different places and all the guys on our team, I would say most of them, at least the ones that legitimately follow college basketball, you don't have to tell them what Northwest Mo's accolades are. You know, they've seen them on ESPN playing in the elite eights and national championship games and all that. And so that was an easy sell. Like, Hey guys, we're going to do this. Um, it's a great way to challenge ourselves. And, you know, I probably didn't have any grand illusions that we were going to go down there and beat Northwest Missouri state on their home floor. Definitely thought there were some things we could have done a little bit better, could have executed better in the game. But, uh, man, you said they're, 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 that is a high-powered machine on both ends of the floor. And, you know, there was times in the game where just I'm sitting there on the sideline like, holy cow, that was amazing, that possession they just ran. And, you know, what they probably don't get enough credit for is they're really good defensively. I think people really, really look at their offense and they move the ball so well and they ball screen so well. Um, but, gosh dang, they are really good defensively, really hard to score on incredibly physical and uh you know it's just it's a program that I have the utmost respect for coach McCollum's a great guy he's built an absolute powerhouse there and so just getting that experience to go down there and, and see it was great for our guys and um you know good for our program ultimately so you know anytime we have an opportunity to do something like that we're always going to take it and that's that that's part of the experience that that we try to give our guys at Briarcliff and you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate in that, you know, beyond that, we play in some big-time rivalry games. You know, we had one Tuesday against Dort. Um, you know, unfortunately, it was a Thanksgiving break crowd, so it wasn't normal student section for us. But we're going to go to Northwestern um, here this week and, you know, big-time rivalry game. You know, I'm going to have to call Coach Schultz tomorrow to, you know, make sure he's ready to go. So I'm sure he'll be making the trip up. But, uh, you know, and then – not to look at it too far, but next week we play Morningside. I mean, holy cow. 
there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of schools in the country that get you know multiple big time rivalry games in a year, and and that's that's part of the experience that that we're very fortunate that our guys get to have here. Absolutely, and kind of back to back to back. If we if we take out Northwest Missouri State, you think Dort, obviously Northwestern, both Sioux County teams, and yeah, foreshadowing a little bit to Morningside, and we'll talk about them here next week. But I do want to talk about Northwestern because. I mean, yeah, like you said, uh, and it's funny because I know for a fact Coach Schultz uh, is more than likely going up to Orange County tomorrow. He's had that game circle on his calendar. But you look at a Northwestern team, uh, obviously uh, well-coached. Uh, Coach Corver's been there, Coach Miller. Uh, have, a, have a nice little addition to their coaching staff with uh, former All-American guard Coima coming back, so that helps them. Uh, but you just think about Northwestern and the two-headed monster that they've got uh, – Got there. Uh, Hillbrands uh, obviously coming back from a little bit of an injury last year, but he's obviously playing really well again this year. We all know what kind of player he is. And then Alex Van Colsbeek. I mean, what more can you say about a, a young Pulse player, uh, freshman coming in last year, putting up the numbers he did, and obviously just getting bigger and better uh, from there. So uh, going into Sioux County, it's always a tough place to play, tough environment. The crowd's always rocking, no matter if it's a break or anything like that. Student section is going to be very much alive. What are some things that you're kind of looking for here uh, Wednesday night as we go up to the Boltman Center up in Northwestern? Well, first of all, you know, Northwestern, incredibly efficient offensively. Um, I think the two guys you mentioned, Trent Hillbrands, Alex Van Callsby, they're, they're two of the elite players in our league, um, both really, really talented players. But I think, you know, what gets probably overshadowed by those guys is there are other starters. They have three new starters uh, that stepped into their lineup this year. They've all had, had big games at, at one point or the other already this year. They have some new bench guys playing um, that have had some big games from off the bench. And, you know, I think the, the easy trap to fall into is you spend all your time game planning, talking about worrying about two guys. And then all of a sudden they got three other guys scored 12, 13 points. And that that's tough to deal with, you know, because, because they're two guys they're good enough players. You're not just going to shut them down. It does. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you're going to try to make things difficult for them. But if, if you spend your whole time focused on that or defensively, if, if you have 10 eyes on Van Callsbeek when the ball goes in the post, well, someone else can score a layup or get an open three. And so it, it takes a, you know, a calculated approach and how you deal with that. But, uh, you know, try to make things a little uncomfortable. Try to, you know, I think, when a team's in their comfort zone, obviously that's where they want to be. And so we're going to try to take them out of that, but they're Northwestern's good. And, you know, coach Corver has a resume that, that I think speaks for itself and, and what he's done at Northwestern. And he's an unbelievably good coach. And I, I think he does as good a job as anybody that I've ever seen in in getting his, you know, his players in spots and in ISO situations um, he does a great job of feeding a hot hand. If, you know, a guy hits two threes in a row, you know, I know a set's coming for that guy to shoot a three the next time. And I, I just think he does such a good job. And it's, you know, way back when I actually went on a recruiting visit, um, with coach Corver 20, 20 some years ago now, but, uh, so I, I've known coach for a long time and, uh, you know, going up there, it's tough to win, but, uh, you know, I think our guys are really focused and I think, you know, we've, we've had some trials and tribulations, for lack of a better term, here early in the season. And, you know, a couple of really close, tough losses that, you know, it happens. 
And I, I sometimes I think it's good to – it's never good to lose. That's the wrong way to say it. Sometimes I think it's okay to, you know, lose a close game early and, and you get better from it and you learn from it. And, and the next time you're in that situation, um, you're ready to execute a little bit better. And, and so I really like where our guys are at. I think our guys are really tough and I think our guys are really, really together. And that's, that's a recipe to win on the road. Um, you know, if you don't have that, I think you don't have a chance. But if you got that, you got a chance. And, and winning on the road in the G-Pack's hard. But uh, I, I know our guys are ready, and, and uh, we're going to go up there tomorrow and have some fun. Yeah, and it's I was going to touch on it, too, and, and you brought it up. I mean, Coach Corver, obviously, a resume uh, that speaks for itself. But, yeah, talk about a coach that's not uh, not nervous or shy away from calling the same exact play two or three times in a row if it worked the first time. I mean, if he sees a little bit of a um, an adjustment or, or something that he can exploit, I mean, he's definitely a coach that's going to keep running at you and say, hey, here it is, try and stop it. So um, definitely know what you're talking about there. So, uh, yeah, obviously, Coach, uh, another game similar to door transition is going to be big. Another team that loves to push the ball in transition, get some easy buckets if they can, whether it be a layup in the fast break or, or getting a, a kick out wide open three off the fast break. So matching up in transition is going to be huge. Uh, another huge thing, any single time you go to Northwestern, it doesn't matter what kind of team you got, rebounding is always going to be huge. They're going to be a physical team. So uh, talk about that a little bit and, and what uh, kind of you're looking for and what you need to uh, execute team-wise uh, to have the best uh, chance possible coming down to those last few possessions. Well, I, I mean, that's we, we've talked about that a little bit. It's, you know, transition and rebounding. You know, we've had times where we're really good consistency is is the key for us right now there and that's you know we've we've taken positive steps over the last couple of weeks in my opinion that's just needs to continually be an emphasis um because that's you know take away 10 easy points a game eight easy points a game makes a huge difference because gpac games aren't going to be blowouts very often and those possessions are huge so if you can just be really dialed in take away some easy baskets or some cheap baskets for your opponent, that's going to be huge for you. And, and Northwestern's a good rebounding team, um, traditionally have been. And, and so that's, that's something we talked about a lot in practice today. And it's, it's something we'll, you know, refresh it with our guys tomorrow as we, we get ready to go up there. Yeah. And for those that uh, can't make the trip up north here to, uh, to Orange City, Women's game will tip off here on Wednesday. Uh, it's crazy, Coach. We're already uh, at December here. But uh, Wednesday, December 1st, women's game will tip off in Orange City in the Boltman Center there at 6 o'clock, men to follow at approximately 7.45 after that. So if you can't get up there to watch it in person, uh, as always, go to vcuchargers.com and watch that live. So, Quinn, for the people that don't know, uh, junior men's basketball player, like we stated, coming from Indianola, central uh, part of the state here. I actually don't know this uh, story myself, so I'm curious. Kind of walk us through how you first heard about Briarcliff, that whole journey of getting recruited and ultimately making the decision uh, to become a Charger. Yeah, uh, well, I know that my previous high school coach, uh, Coach Watson and Coach Figuera, had some ties. So that's kind of how, like, I got introduced to him. Uh, he said it was a good school. And Jay Wolf was coached by him as well. So he's like, it's got to be a good school if Jay likes it. Because, I mean, Coach Watson had always good – he always had good things to say about Jay. Um, and so 
I talked to Jay once. He came to like one of my high school shoot arounds and then to the game that night. I talked to him a little bit about it. That's like the first I had heard about it. Um, so that's how I got introduced to it. And then I think it was for or Forbes that reached out to me or no Shipley Shipley. Uh, and then I kind of got like intrigued by it. And at that point I hadn't had like too much interest in the G pack, just like a couple other schools. So I had like heard of Briarcliff, but then once he reached out, I like looked into it, um, learned more about it, then got up for a visit. And I kind of had my mindset like after this first game that I went to. It was actually the only game, but I mean, it didn't take much. And then I stayed with the guys a couple times and it was kind of an easy choice, really. It kind of, I just woke up and knew that's what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. And those were the guys I wanted to be around. So I got, I got a couple things to add here. Um, one, like Quinn said, you know, he played for, for coach Brett Watson, who uh, was kind of a dude in his day, by the way, I think he's still like an all time top five scorer in Iowa history, isn't he? High yeah. school basketball. Yeah. Um, and I, I had gotten to know coach Watson really well when we recruited Jay Wolf um, a few years earlier and he went to a new school, Indianola, and he, you know, I had nothing but great things to say about Quinn. And, and so that, that's kind of how it started. Um, I think part of what sealed the deal was Quinn and I's drive from Briarcliff to thousand degrees pizza on his recruiting visit to eat lunch with his parents. And the last thing that game you came to was against Jamestown, uh, 2018-19 season it was actually a huge game at the time and we were kind of neck and neck in the standings and we ended up beating them handily and uh I think what really stood out to Quinn and, and let him know he wanted to come to Briarcliff was how aggressively I completely berated and got after Jaden Klein Hesslink because he screwed up a ball screen coverage I think I think at that moment Quinn knew like he wanted to be in that position multiple times over the next few years. Yeah, that was that was definitely the deciding factor. Just seeing Jaden get ripped made me just want to be in his shoes. Well, and I know anyone who's a fan of the podcast has definitely heard of that story. Um, I actually had the chance and privilege of being in the front row um, and get a front row action to that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I actually do remember this. It was uh, – it was a dribble handoff on the right side in front of our bench. It was going to Kevin Oberweiser, who at that time, he, he was a dude playing really well, especially in the G-Pack. And I know in scouting report, do not go under his ball screens. And, yeah, of course, we all know Jaden Klein has like did. And uh, that was where the infamous uh, next morning breakfast story comes from, if uh, that's accurate there, Coach. Yeah, that, that's one of the things my wife's most famous for in the program. Yeah, it's keeping you accountable. I mean, someone's got to do it, so – so, Quinn, new role this year. Uh, I know a big thing that uh, you're playing really well in the G-Pack to start. How would you attribute or what would you say is kind of the next step that you wanted to take this year as far as your individual growth to kind of help the team and be another focal point in the offense? Yeah. Um, one thing that, you know, that I wanted to focus on coming into this year, you know, that I didn't have as much last year until, like, the second half of the season was – my consistency every day and 
that comes with games, practice, uh, shoot arounds, whatever it is. Um, kind of knowing my role as a leader and setting the standard for everyone else. That's like what I focus on every day. I don't get too caught up in the stats and stuff. Uh, that stuff, I just feel like it'll come with the process. But uh, yeah, just setting the tone. I mean, that's what I, I wanted to do, make sure that I did every day, no matter what it was, uh, weight room, anything. Um, yeah, just making sure everyone's at their best. And I felt like that was my biggest role is being the leader. And I know the competitiveness in practice is something that uh, I, I'm familiar with and a few guys who have been on the podcast have expressed. Talk about that a little bit, how big that competitiveness has been uh, with, with the team this year. Uh, and then I'm also curious, um, the second part to that question, you personally, how do you feel like the non-conference schedule specifically so far for you guys this year is, has really triggered you and helped uh, you out so far to this point? Yeah. Um, so the competitiveness and practice, um, I think this year more than ever, we have realized the, uh, comparison of that and the game. Uh, and I think that's why our practices are so much more competitive than they ever have been since I've been here. Um, I mean, we're going at each other's throats because we know that in order to win a GPAC game, it's not easy to win a GPAC game at all. So the best way we can prepare ourselves for that is do it in practice. And so, yeah, they've, they've been a lot more competitive this year. And uh, I think that's what is making us better. And I think that that's what needs to happen every day. And I think we all understand that. And I think on a personal level, uh, it's actually less personal, like when we're in practice. I know when I was younger, I was like, well, why was he talking to me like that? Or why was he, you know, elbowing me in the back when I was trying to box him out? Like when the ball wasn't even close to me or something. But I think that we've all realized that now. And we understand that that's for a bigger reason, a bigger purpose. And that's to win a game. And the uh, second part of that question, going into the out-of-conference games, I think this has been the most – competitive year of basketball I've ever played. I mean, we're playing top 20 teams every out-of-conference game we play, you know? And so I think that's going to help us win the GPAC games because although it is a different style of play, I'd say, um, we're also learning, like, a lot of things that are going to translate into GPAC games. And, I mean, they're freaking competitive, so – I think our out-of-conference schedule is going to help us in the long run of this season. And I know here, Quinn, uh, that getting ready for this week's game uh, against Northwestern, obviously uh, anytime you go up to Sioux County, um, it's going to be really tough. But playing at Northwestern, uh, bring some good experience back from last year's team. Just briefly talking about them for a second yourself. Uh, obviously had a really good push yourself here in the second half of last season. What is it that you remember from the Northwestern team of last year uh, that you're looking to continue to build on and maybe some key points that you know that you guys are going to have to uh, commit uh, collectively on both ends of the floor to come out of Orange City there with the dub? Yeah, I think that some key factors for us to win the game tomorrow would be, I mean, you got to be tough playing up there because you can't look around for a call because 
things get moving so fast and games are so physical that you just you got to be the tougher team to win and I believe that and uh another thing I feel like we have to be the aggressor I think when Northwestern's comfortable they're really good and so that'll be a key factor as well and I know that in years past that I've played them if you're on your toes they're gonna attack you and so I think that we need to kind of push the pace of the game kind of make them do things that we want them to do rather than reacting. And now a couple of things, I guess, kind of moving outside of the, the basketball realm of things, just so people can, can learn more about you. Uh, I'm curious, and everyone's got a different way of how they go about road trips, and there's been quite a few road trips that you guys have gone on so far. What do you kind of like personally doing in road trips, or do you have like a routine or a plan that you like um, on longer road trips here? Um, I mean, I think coach does a pretty good job of setting up a schedule for us to where we don't have to do much. You know, he has us in the gym when we need to be in the gym, when we eat, when we need to eat. So, I mean, that kind of takes care of itself. I do like to kind of like if we're staying overnight, get a good night's sleep, wake up, kind of get moving, get some coffee, kind of get myself awake. Don't sleep in, you know, after we get back from shoot arounds or anything like that, just kind of stay up use my mind in something, whether it's like a game on my phone or something, just kind of get locked in in some way, watch some film. Um, but my favorite thing about road trips is just, I mean, being with the guys. I think that we've already created such a stronger like bond this year than I've ever had. Like, I can fully say that any one of those guys would do anything for me. And kind of on the flip side here, what about at home games? I know being there uh, no later than the start of the women's game. Do you have like a certain routine or something that you like to kind of get in the groove when you're walking into the Flanagan Center and you're, you're getting ready to have that, uh, the positions meeting and everything, going up to band stretches and then finally tip off? Kind of walk us through that. Do you got anything special? Yeah, well, I mean, what I personally do, I just kind of start to get in my mode, like maybe put my headphones in, just kind of go to my own place for a little bit, envision what I'm going to see happening in the game and what I want to happen to try to make it happen, if that makes sense. Um, and just kind of get focused and understand what my goals are for the game, both personally and overall, and just kind of seeing it happen. I mean, I like to just kind of be to myself and get ready to go, just get locked in. How about uh, how about growing up younger? I mean, how how did you get involved with the game? Who kind of first introduced you to it? And do you kind of remember a specific time or can pinpoint something that made you kind of fall in love with the game and think, hey, yeah, I, I definitely want to try and do this here at the next level? Yeah. Um, when I was young, like, like most kids, I've kind of switched between sports. And whatever season it was, that's kind of what I wanted to do. But then once I started, like – you know, it was baseball season. I was like, oh, I want to play basketball right now. Bad. That's kind of when I was like, all right, that's probably what I want to do if I'm thinking about it right now because it's still six months away, whatever. So that's probably the first time when I was younger, like, and playing sports. That's like the first time I can remember. Like, I was like, it's baseball season, whatever. I want to be playing basketball as well, kind of do both. Um, But what made me want to do it was just kind of, I mean, I always had good experiences with every team I was on. Uh, I kind of made bonds and 
I don't know. That's a tough question because, like, any basketball experiences I've had, they've all been good ones, you know. Like, even the bad ones, like, I think are the good things. So, I just have a lot of good moments with the game, and I didn't want it to stop. Hey, Quinn, I got a question for you. And I'm, I'm putting myself in a potentially vulnerable spot here asking this. But, uh, you know, Bobby doesn't even know this, but the last couple of weeks I've, I've jumped into the occasional shoot around or maybe even a couple of possessions in practice. What, uh, what's the scouting report on, on my game at this stage in my life? He's got the strap. You just got to close out high hands. Can't give him the mid-range fader. Um, well, you know he's not going to blow by us. You can close out right at his feet. Yeah, yep. Close out high. Not by Quinn, maybe you, Bobby. No, but, yeah, everybody – I mean, RJV's had a busy week too. So, I mean, everybody's been stepping in and Coach has been getting his workouts in. So, we've got to see a glimpse of his – we call him Jokic, maybe Jokic. Well, that was going to be a follow-up I, I actually, I actually call Jokic baby Spaghera, but yeah. – yeah, you're the you're the third Jokic brother. <laughs> so I gotta ask, I gotta ask Quinn. He, we've obviously heard in the podcast the last couple of weeks. He's talked about how he's jumped and maybe and helped in some five on five stuff. Is his passing pretty legit? Can we get some clarification on this? Or yeah, it's pretty legit. Don't give him the pinch post. He always tells us that he'll average fifteen assists a game. I've never said fifteen. I said I'd be one of the GPAC league leaders if I played in the modern era of basketball and you let me play in the pinch post for us. Yeah. Also, Quentin Vasa absolutely smacked me in the face yesterday. <laughs> I think unintentional. I'm pretty sure unintentional. Maybe. We're going to go with unintentional for sure, yeah. just for Quentin's sake. <laughs> Well, I'm actually curious. Okay, so the last couple of weeks, we've heard you jumping in. Obviously, JB has been getting off to, to the season. Why was I never called in to maybe jump into like a rebounding drill or five on five? I mean, I'm a self-proclaimed. I mean, I mean, our intramural team when we were there was pretty good. I mean, I, I was in shape. I could run with the basketball. I'm going to try to put this as delicately as I can. Um, here's what I'll say. Bobby, a couple times we needed an additional big body, which, yes, you played high school post, but you're like six feet with your shoes on. So you're not going to bring much to the table there. And second, we all know that Ethan Erdman carried you to intramural championships. Oh, I'm, I'm not doubting that whatsoever. I mean, Ethan Erdman himself has a strap. Um, was it, you that, was it you that fell down in a five-on-five walkthrough and shooting around coming off a ball screen, or was that Jake Bilt? Um, depends on where it was at. Are we in Seward, Nebraska, at Concordia for shoot around? Oh, I forgot about that one. No, this must have been Bilt. This one was at home. Yeah, I forgot yeah, no, about that. that. Yeah, that's uh, – hey, I was trying to simulate the Concordia offense coming off tight of that ball screen, curling around it, cutting with a purpose. I was, well, I was giving some effort. Spoiler alert, you didn't. Well, no, but, I mean, I was just giving the boys a good look is all. So, I mean, I, I yeah, felt – you, right. you really put a lot of pressure on Jay Wolf guarding you. Well, that's the first problem, why I'm simulating the guy that the best defender in the conference that year is going to guard. That was our first mistake. But, well, hey, Quinn, going back, to, uh, going back to you, another question I had for you, um, and I'm very curious on this because it seems like 
different people that we have on. And we actually haven't asked this question uh, to a guest this year. I just remember from previous years and episodes, give us your all time, your, your starting five all NBA uh, team. I know who you got. Mm, that's tough. Really not. I got Curry, point guard. Jordan. Mm. I don't know. I uh, I don't really – I like the old-time basketball more than the new stuff, and that's what everyone on the team disagrees with me when I say Jordan's a goat. So, um, I don't know. That's tough. I also agree with you that Jordan's a goat. Just uh, right. throw that in there. I don't know. Well, that was pretty anticlimactic, Quinn. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That's on the spot. I haven't thought of top five. I don't really watch the NBA all too much, especially nowadays. Only when my roommates got it on. But I want to hear your guys's. I'll kind of think about it. Oh, I don't have a set one. Mine's been different every time I've ever done this on the podcast. <laughs> I was I mean, just going to say, I don't think I've ever heard your it, it starts with Jordan. Yep. Um, you know, and then I can go a lot of different ways. And I'm putting LeBron on there. In fact, there, there's a there's a lineup I like where LeBron's my five. And it's just a switch everything defense. Um, you know, it's it, the hard thing about it is comparing eras is hard. Because as a as a product of the '90s, I've gone back and watched some old Bulls films on YouTube, and I was like the biggest Bulls fan in the mid '90s, and it's brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's all 17 foot pull ups, and it's just the game's so different now. Like, what would Jordan do now? What would LeBron do then? What would Wilt Chamberlain do now? You know, I mean, you want to look at dominating stats. A dude averaged 52 and 26 for a season. Like, that's stupid. Like, so it's just, it's, it's hard to, to measure it. I mean, if, if you wanted me to put together a five of my favorite, I'd go Jordan, Pippen, Larry Bird, Shaq, Orlando Magic, young Shaq, though. And to throw a new one in there, I'd, I'd throw Steph Curry at the one. Yeah. Not my all-time top five, but that'd be a fun team to watch. Yeah. And and mine mine's honestly kind of quick just because I've been asked this question a lot. I'm putting uh, Allen Iverson at my one for sure. Mm. Um, I'm going to put Kobe at my two. Um, and then I'm going to put Jordan at my three. And then obviously Shaq. I'm going to agree with Coach McGarry here. Uh, Orlando Magic Young Shaq at my five. Um, and then I'm doing Timmy Duncan at my four. I mean, you kind of talk about a guy who's got an unguardable uh, mid-range game. Dude's a winner, knows how to get it done, played for some good Spurs teams. Definitely throwing uh, Duncan at my four. That's my starting five right there for sure. Yeah, I could agree with both of those. Those are good ones. I know just top three what I'd have. The other ones I could interchange, you know. Who's your Who's your favorite non basketball athlete to watch? Like, if you get a chance to maybe sit down and watch a game or something other than basketball, 
I guess, first of all, what, what sport would you watch and, and then who's your favorite person to watch outside of hoops? Um, well, it was Drew Brees. I love watching. I mean, the Saints are my team and I love Drew Brees. I always have. And so I'd probably say that I like watching football, but, or any baseball game. I love baseball. How'd you become a Saints fan? Just out of curiosity. I mean, you don't hear a lot of people in Iowa that are, that are Saints fans. I just think it's curious. Yeah. I, uh, my dad and I would watch Drew Brees when I was younger. And then I went to a couple games uh, when they played the Chiefs when I was younger too. And then it was just a sealed deal and they were really good. And now they're not. So it's tough, but I'm staying with them. And then just because uh, I know some of the, the team activities that people do is uh, once in a while play some foosball, uh, the freshman tournament, uh, I coach Figueres house. And then sometimes and maybe Christmas break or something, go bowling every once in a while. How are you at foosball and bowling? Can you kind of compete with a team? Would you rank yourself as maybe top half um, part of the roster right now? Foosball, I'd have to say no. I've played that game like twice in my life, and one of them was at Spheres House. And bowling, oh, yeah, I'm definitely top half. I'm up there in top five, no doubt. I'm a sleeper. Who's the best bowler if it's not you? I'm curious on this one. Will's graduated. He he's an all time great. Uh, and Geelan, Frankman, I can make a starting five for all time Briarcliff bowlers. All right, awesome. I'm in. Go. You open it up. I'm I'm here for it. What what do we got? All right, Geelan. Obviously, I mean that dude would just be a leader on the alley. But uh, Geelan, Will Johnson, Coach Figuera, me. Ooh, is that four? That's yeah. four. Yeah, I'll tell you right. Forbes. Forbes gets freaky hot. He does. Forbes he does. is streaky. Forbes is the J.R. Smith of prior Cliff bowling. It's unmatched. <laughs> All I know is I absolutely dominated my friend. Or was it sophomore year that we went? Or was it? No, it was your freshman year. We had to we had to make adjustments last year to uh, that's right. you know for COVID regulations and whatnot. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure you remembered that last time we went as a team coach Forbes had the high score but I had the high average you know I'm I'm consistently better than him I wasn't too far behind either so no you're you're solid you, you don't embarrass yourself yeah you you don't spend 10 frames getting ridiculed by me yeah no I I can carry my weight in bowling glad you brought that up Bobby that's that's probably something that's gonna be coming up here soon yeah no I I like that that's uh that's Good. I was actually, before you started doing the top five thing, Quinn, I was actually going to throw out a giant sleeper and say that Marco uh, might have been like one of the best bowlers on the team, but I kind of, looking back now, I feel like he's not very good. I don't remember if Marco was there my freshman year because I've never seen him bowl, I don't think. I don't think I've ever seen Marco bowl. Neither have I. But. I bet it, I'm sure his talk is, is better than his bowling. Well, Quinn, hey, appreciate uh, you swinging by and taking some time with, uh, with Coach and I here. It's been awesome uh, getting to know you a little bit more. Uh, obviously, really likable dude, really fun watching you play on the floor, compete, diving on the floor, getting those loose balls. Uh, that's huge and something that uh, obviously we track um, on the team, so keep that up. Uh, continue uh, the great work here, starting off hot. Uh, keep that going. 
Uh, looking forward to watching you guys go up to Orange City tomorrow and, uh, and having a big game there. So, hey, best of luck to you uh, the rest of the year, and uh, appreciate the time here, man. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Quinn. See ya. See ya. Thank, thanks, Quinn. Appreciate it, man. And now, Coach, uh, it's a time for a segment that obviously everyone's looking forward to, everyone that enjoys. Uh, it's time for a little life rules um, on this week's uh, edition of the podcast. So what do you have for us here this week? You know, I really need to do a better job of, of writing these down because I, I randomly just drop some life rules on our guys, and they always tell me or ask if I have a list of them, and I don't. Um, but uh, if I've used this one before, and I probably have, but it's topical. You don't put your Christmas decorations out until Thanksgiving's over. And you take them down by the second week of January. This isn't a full winter thing. Christmas season starts after Thanksgiving and it ends in January. Be done with it. And I, for one, am completely on board with you. I know my wife asked me if we wanted to put some Christmas stuff up before uh, Thanksgiving here. And I said, no, absolutely not. It's not Thanksgiving yet. We're not even into December. Yeah. So I, I'm totally on board. So I hear you uh, there big time. So. Well, hey, that's going to transition us uh, and now into uh, our shout out segment of the week. Uh, had some good uh, things happening here in the last couple of weeks. So uh, coach, what, uh, what do you have here for us for shout outs? Well, I got, I got a bunch actually. Um, and one of them was a gross oversight on my part. Uh, on last week's podcast, but, you know, week and a half ago when we went down to William Penn, uh, the night before uh, Quinn Vesey's parents, Mike and Steph Vesey, um, had a meal for the guys at, at a local restaurant down in Indianola. It was awesome. So shout out to them for, for helping us out. Got to give a big shout out to my wife for Thanksgiving, having 20 dudes over. And, you know, fortunately we did a lot of the work ahead of time. Um, but, uh, you know, I was gone up at the office all day for practice and came home and a bunch of dudes came over. So a lot of that was left to her to get ready. So shout out to her. And then a uh, hey, shout out to our women's team. You know, they're off to a really good start undefeated in conference. A um, couple handful of wins now over top 25 teams. They're doing a great job. They're fun to watch. Um, so shout out to them. That does it for me this week. Just three. I love it. Yeah, no, good shout outs. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to a few uh, Briarcliff alumni and, and coach, I'm going to rattle off a few and, and please let me know if I'm leaving some out, but uh, some Briarcliff former alumni that are uh, starting their high school uh, coaching season now and getting off. So uh, shout out to, uh, to Michael Collison, uh, Corey Hobbs. I know Jake built uh, is helping the boys down there and Carol coach. Uh, I'm just trying to think quickly off the top of my head. Am I, am I missing anyone on that list that you can think of? Jared Betts. Betsy. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to those guys. I know they're all starting their practices are off right now. And it's crazy. Yeah, they're slowly getting in the games uh, games here before we know it. So, I want to give a shout-out to them. And the best of luck to all of them uh, this coming season. Yep. It's a great time of year right now. Well, hey, that's going to do it for this, uh, this week's episode of BC Buckets Podcast. Once again, uh, men and women's team on the road here uh, Wednesday, December 1st, uh, going to the Boltman Center up in Orange City, Iowa. Women will tip off that against Northwestern at 6. Men will follow at approximately 7.45. So if you can't watch it live, please catch it at bcuchargers.com. Uh, Coach, best of luck. Always going to be a fun battle up there watching the guys play uh, and wishing you guys nothing but the best. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby.